we'll talk about the actual game and when we when we get there. But I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, <gasps> oh. and I started it last night. And for context, I started it when I first got a PS4, I think in like 2019. Um, and I just never, I just never finished it. And now, Justin, I did have one save game, <laughs> like one manual save file on there. And it was from December 23rd, 2019. And it's so weird to think like I was a person then. Like (laughs) life was so different. Things were so crazy then. And obviously, like, I don't know, that was my senior year of college. So, yeah, things are going to be kind of changed for me um, in a way that like had there not been, you know, a global pandemic that's going to last forever. Um, (laughs) And ever and ever. Like. Obviously, there would have been so many changes, but like looking back, like I saw that and I was like really thinking about like, wow, what was going on at that point? And where are we now? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, the college thing is like a big difference, but even like just how you go about daily life has altered yeah. significantly, which is yes. absolutely crazy. But uh, hey, one thing that's uh, that's forever is that Horizon Zero Dawn is a good game in 2019. Good game in 2022. <laughs> Stunningly beautiful. Beautiful. I, and I, I, we'll talk about it more uh, in, in a little bit here. Because uh, I'm actually, I did not get very far into it. Um, but, man, that's gorgeous. And I think they made, um, wasn't Death Stranding built in the same engine? Uh, it might be, yeah. I think I think that's correct. Because I, I think, I seem to remember that... Um, Kojima Productions was like, "Hey, we need some help <laughs> because we we don't have we, we're not going to be able to build an entire engine to make this game." But I also could be no, no, you're right. And they also used a bunch of oh, yeah. developers from Guerrilla to help with. Oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah so so think about <laughs> December twenty third, twenty nineteen. Where were you, listener? <laughs> what were you doing? How was your life? It's interesting. It's interesting, but it, it's also wild to think like, yo, that was more than two years ago at this point. It's also crazy that Christmas is what killed your enthusiasm for playing. Horizon. I was also thinking about that too, right? I was like, "What? At what point did I put this down and just never pick it back up?" Right? Because, like, I was enjoying my time with it, but what happened? I think I borrowed Spider-Man from our friend Josh, yeah, would ruin and it. I think that's what you know where my attention was drawn from then on out. But yeah, I don't know. Have you seen Spider-Man: No Way Home? I have seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Have you? It's pretty cool. Did you see that one part when? Yeah, I did. When when uh, when they're do he, he's doing a fight with a character redacted, and he does the Spider-Man move from the video game. I have seen the part when he's doing the fight with redacted, and he does this the Spider-Man video game move. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I've seen actually, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people cite different moves as being from the video game <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny because it's like well first of all i i know that they said like i think tom holland like said hey there's this cool move from the game in there um and so everyone's sort of been on the lookout but i think that also speaks to like well spider-man as a character like kind of has some presets <laughs> that, that we use now, are you talking about when he, w- uh when he jumps through the floor no, it's when it's when they were, they were they were fighting, and then he like uses the the string and like pulls. He's like up in the air, uses the string to pull himself down and like do the ground pound. Yeah, through the floor, right? Uh, it wasn't uh, through the floor at the end. Oh, this is during the okay, li- gotcha, this is during gotcha, the Metal gotcha. Gear Solid fight. 
That is a Metal Gear ass solid <laughs> fight. And here's what's great about what we're talking about, Justin. Everyone who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about, and everyone who doesn't is furious because they're like, this is nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> what's in the fucking box? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hitbox episode number 73. Yeah, I think so, unless my number count is. I mean, with- now here's the thing we, we record, we are fresh, hot off the heels of hot. a crossover episode with our good friends at Button Mashing 101. We had a very good time on their show. Um, and uh, that will be a game of the year, uh, a secondary game of the year episode, which will be in this feed. I think this episode number 73 will be up before that happens, but. Um, yeah, you'll be able to hear that soon. We had a good time, and um, if you're if you're interested, go ahead and check out their podcast. It's it's a ton of fun. And I just did not well. see the medium being the game of the year for both of our podcasts. It you know what I put up a uh, I, in my opinion a good fight against it. Yeah, yeah. But you know everyone was so persuasive about it, about <laughs> its quality and its its um you know assets and and whatnot. Um, <laughs> they're working on a new uh, Layers of Fear, which. That's, I'll play that. If it's short, like Layers of Fear are short, I'll play that. I have some feelings about it. What if it's like a medium amount of length, just right in the okay. middle? Okay, well, here's the thing. If it's between how long the medium was and Layers of Fear, I will take that. Because I think one of the big problems with, with the medium was, even though I didn't love it, if it was quick, I would have been like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but We're the done. fact that I was like, oh my gosh, this is still going. Anyway. Uh, we are, my, I don't think I said this, my name is Peter hans and joining me as always is my great friend and co-host, uh, Justin Makovich. How are you, Justin? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm just, uh, recovering from eating way too much food on New Year's. Uh, we did a, oh, yeah. we did a fondue pot. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, so, well, it was, but, you know, do you know that some cheese smells like stinky feet? Uh, yes. What kind of cheese were you using I, in your fondue pot? I think we put, like... Some cheddar, some manchego, huh? some gruyere, okay. and some gouda, and altogether hmm. those things just didn't <laughs> nice. dance well. I also think yeah. I burnt part of it because we use we have like literally it's like a, a fondue pot that has like a one of those like flames underneath it that like keeps it going, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so it tasted a little bit like feet, a little bit like burnt, and a little bit like cheese. What were you putting in that in that fondue? Oh, we had uh, we had some meatless meatballs because Claire is a vegetarian, which are oh, pretty, good. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, I, I I'm a not a vegetarian, but I'm a big fan of most meat replacements. Yeah, like they're all they're pretty good, delicious. Uh, and then we yeah. had some uh, broccoli. We had some fingerling Ooh. potatoes. Uh, we had just some bread because you know why not? Just put some bread I mean, in that's there. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point, we were thinking about putting in. We had leftover pizza. We could dip the leftover pizza in there to really get the cheese on cheese. But then, why ruin the pizza with the feet cheese? You're speaking my language because as soon as you said fondue, I was thinking about what I had on New Year's Eve. Elaine and I uh, snuggled up on the couch, played some played some uh, Mario Party, okay. played a yeah. long round yeah. of Mario Party, um, and. We had we made just a giant bag of pizza rolls mm. in the air fryer, yeah. and then also there were these like taki pizza rolls. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Um, I bought those as well, and like I'm thinking about a dipped in cheese pizza roll. Ooh. 
that sounds pretty good to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Pal. Yeah, I'd do um, that. But get better cheese. Don't, don't the recipe we used, don't use it. Yeah. That sounds that sounds a little rough. I I'll say this, and this might just be because I'm not necessarily a cheese connoisseur. I'm a cheese fan, but like not like I'm not like really into the lore. Um <laughs> You named two cheeses that I didn't know, and I knew Gouda and cheddar, so the other two I was like, <laughs> just had to play along with. Um, but we're not going to talk more about food, even though that is sort of our MO for the beginning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely um, we have things to say about food. We do, we do, but we also have things to say about video games, and today we're going to be taking a look at a handful of things. There has been a little bit of news in the, over the past few weeks here uh, that we have not covered, so we're going to be touching on those things, things like Final Fantasy XIV being far too popular to be sold, um, <laughs> Star Wars Eclipse and its uh, very, very, very distant rumored release date, as well as an update on Abandoned, the game that had everyone by the... Uh, uh, sitting on the edge of their seats for about 15 minutes, but we still have not sat back in our chairs. All right, we're waiting. I've been. For it. I'm still real time experience app on my uh, on my. I'm desktop. holding my breath for yeah. it. Yeah. I have four hours logged on the real time experience app uh, on uh, according to my PlayStation <laughs> because I just had to open. You know, while we were all waiting and whatever. Just hoping. Just uh, hoping. Yeah, and then and then we're gonna also get into uh, some of the games of of 2021 that we maybe missed. Uh, uh, talking about in the last few episodes here or uh, games that we missed playing all together that we want to chat about briefly. But before we get all to that, Justin, what have you been playing? The thing I've been playing the most, uh, and this pretty much was um, after, you know, cleaning up some of my end of the year games that I wanted to yeah. finish. Um, uh, one of them being Chicory was the last game I just finished. Uh, I popped in my copy of far cry 6 and i've been playing a lot of far cry 6 now peter are you a far cry fan no let me let me say it like this i'm a fan of far cry 3 okay and then the rest of them i don't really like is there any reason thing that doesn't like like sell you on the far cry yeah so i i liked um i mean far cry 3 i think is ubisoft's favorite far cry <laughs> because like that game came out and I feel like it was like lightning in a bottle where it came out and it just happened to work really well. Uh, and to me, every subsequent game has been proof that Ubisoft doesn't understand why Far Cry 3 was so good. For example, their whole thing now is like, we have really good villains. Uh, and I don't know if that was the Far Cry 3 had a really good villain, but I think that was on accident. Yeah, and It wasn't even like the main villain. <laughs> it's like the, the lady. He, he dies of like Far Cry. three fourths of the way through. Yeah. Right. Um, and and I, I think it was after that game was made and came out that they were like, oh, my gosh, people respond really well to this character of Voss. Let, we got to keep doing that. And then so they just have this like idea of like, oh, all the villains are going to be prestigious and really complicated and deep. And like Voss wasn't he was just a guy who wanted to kill you really bad and loved to torture you <laughs> like right. like that's not particularly deep but he was interesting because the performance was really good and uh, his role in the story was really interesting uh, like he was like really connected to that character um and everything that you did in far cry 3 was in uh like in service of and in and in anticipation of going to fight voss and going to take care of his men and stuff like that. So it sort of excused a lot of that like grindy open world stuff that you're doing where you're, you know, climbing radio towers and like hunting animals and whatever. <laughs> but because everything you were doing was about like, okay, I'm going to become the best murderer I can be to kill him. Mm -hmm. And that 
happened to work really well with its story, which was about a person becoming this horrible monster who, who kills people. And then at the end, it gives you the choice. Like, do you want to go home with your friends or do you want to stay on the island? And to me, the narrative choice is, well, he stays on the island because he can't go back after he has had a lot of fun lighting people on fire with flamethrowers. Yeah, it kind of ruins that. Yes. So I really like Far Cry 3. And then I feel like every subsequent game, they just try to do that again. But they don't understand why all of those things worked together to make a really good game. And now it's just, OK, well, you got to go burn the drug field because they did that in Far Cry 3. And you're going to play, I don't know, like a reggae song or something. Um, you know, you're going to have a yeah. really complicated, <laughs> interesting villain who pops up to give you some monologues um, without understanding like, oh, no, that was interesting because it was a, a person who didn't care about you. Yeah. 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 Whereas, whereas far like the new Far Cry games are like, oh well, I have to talk to you because you're the protagonist of the game. It's like, yeah, yeah. Boss just like liked being evil. Anyway, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Like, like for so many reasons, and I think that's one of the biggest faults of Far Cry Six is it seems like it is the smash ultimate of Far Cry games, in which every little mechanic and thing that you've done in past Far Cry games, there's a little bit of it in there. Oh, and, interesting. Which might sound like a good thing if you like Far Cry, but it just ends up being like so like overwhelming. Like when you first start, there's so many of those, you get up to something and they give you like a, a menu of like a tutorial for something. Yeah. From, you know, there's just so much that it just becomes unmanageable at a certain point. Um, but the thing that I think this story does better than any of the Far Cries, um, I would even like argue different than Far Cry 3, is like the storytelling is pretty good in it. And part of the hmm. way they make the storytelling different is you're not like first person in the cutscenes. You are actually a character and it's like third oh, person cutscenes. So it just creates more of an interesting narrative with, with how you interact with the characters. Um, but also like the, uh, uh the Giancarlo Esposito character, uh, that you, uh, the, who's the main, uh, antagonist, his story is kind of woven parallel to your story. At the very beginning, your paths intersect, but then from that point on, it's just kind of like you're on the outside of his story. And he basically, his story is about him and his son um, and preparing his son for taking over and being the El Presidente once uh, his character is gone. So it's kind of interesting just how the, the they tell the story. And, it, and it's to one of those points when I'm almost more interested in the villain side than I am with my sure. own side because they're just slowly developing it. Um, and basically your character is just the gorilla that is going around, like doing all the different stuff. And I think some of the funny stuff is like when you have a character, like, like, like saying like about like how they met at first, your character's just like, I don't, I don't care. Just what do you want me to do? <laughs> sure. And he like keeps like doing that a bunch of times. So like whenever something like ridiculous happens, like the character will be like, did, did that just that happen? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> and like, he's like being very self-aware about the ridiculousness of it. Isn't the main character named Danny Rojas? Yeah. Like from Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that. That is really funny. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how. Like, uh, what came first, the the name or the uh, the the show? The show. Yeah, anyway, but, um, and have you done the co op at all? No, I have not. I have not done that yet. Because uh, the only I, the only reality in which I think I would play Far Cry Six is if Elena was like, "Yo, I want to cause some wreak some havoc in a video game. What what do we got?" And I'd be like, "Well, we could try Far Cry 6. Um, 
But even that seems like a fun game to play with someone. Even that, like the havoc in it, like it isn't like the best I've seen before. Like I don't feel like you mm. know, in Far Cry Four, you had a you could ha- you could ride an elephant into an encampment and then like shoot a tiger out of a cage and have the tiger and elephant just like wreak havoc on everything. And this one, they That's have like thing. they have like alligators and panthers and stuff in there, but it's just yeah, not okay, the same okay. as like just being you know literally on the back of an elephant. You know, like yeah. Um, but again, it's just it's. I don't want to like sound like negative in saying it's just more Far Cry, but it is Far Cry. It has a little bit of all the other stuff you did with Far Cry before. Um, but I, th- I oddly enough think the story is the thing that keeps me wanting to play because I'm just interested to see kind of where it goes. Um, and the game is pretty long. It seems like I'm probably going to take uh, like 25 hours ish to get through the whole thing. Um, oh, geez. Okay. And I can just tell, like, based on progression, there's like three um, groups you have to like bring over to your rebellion side. Um, so I got through one of the groups. I have about three quarters of the way through the second group, and then um, I have one more group after that. So, hey, it's it's Far Cry. I got it for thirty bucks on sale, um, and I think that's a good price for it, personally. Yeah. No, that's that's legit. Uh, I, Justin, have been playing. Link's Awakening, which I finished. I mentioned, I think, on the last episode. Uh, I got that for Christmas, and I finished it last night, and that is a delightful little game. You said you played it, right? Yeah, yeah. I played the original one for Game Boy. I don't know if it was Color or just Game Boy, but I played it when it was on Game Boy. Um, gotcha. And it was, I liked it. It's kind of like a sadder, like, depressing story. Very bittersweet. Yeah. Very bittersweet at the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I really liked it, and it's the kind of game that... If you are comfortable with just saying, you know what, I'll open a guide when I get stuck, that is the game for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's the kind of thing where it's like, if you're the kind of person who is not interested in using a guide, uh, you might be walking around in circles for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. At least it looks nice um, on the Switch, because I have the the Switch version of it, too, and I just think it looks pretty. It does. It runs really bad. <laughs> you, have, you, have, you, have you seen anything with it? Uh, no, no. I mean, like... Here's the problem. It looks like, so the Switch can run, I think it, it can run some games docked at 60 fr- frames per second. Might be able to do that in handheld too. Like I know like Mario Odyssey does, um, and, and there's a handful of others. I think uh, Metro Dread might uh, in certain areas, uh, but I think Link's Awakening does too in some places, but when it's not, it is like 10, 15, <laughs> and it just, it cannot handle uh, the things that, it's doing which kind of sucks it's, it's always when you enter an area as things are like loading in um it'll chug for you know four or five seconds and then be okay um but if you're moving too quickly between like different areas of the map it'll it'll have some difficulty yeah, that, but that, not anything that really impedes it like enjoyment but it's still like really noticeable that's rather disappointed because uh i i is this like a Nintendo first part party or is it like a port um, or it's done by a different company? Because if it was done by Nintendo, like that kind of means like usually the thing you say about Nintendo is they know how to make their games work on their system and they make like stylish choices to like make them work. But if it's not working, that kind of sucks. That's like the one thing you'd hope. Yeah. Okay. So um, it was developed by a studio called Grezzo, mm. which um, it, I don't know if they're owned by nintendo but they do a lot of work for nintendo porting things so they did the um ocarina of time 3ds port they also did the majora's mask 3ds port they did triforce heroes uh four swords adventure uh no so sorry four swords uh, anniversary edition for like the ds and ds 
uh, 3DS. Um, and then they also ported Metopia, which was oh. uh, that Wii game. They did. They brought that to the Switch. So like, they have experience working on, you know, this Nintendo system, yeah. hardware. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it were a Nintendo first-party game because a lot of those games also don't really run very well on the Switch, which sucks because you look at like the potential of what the Switch could be, and um, you sort of see how games are sort of starting to move past that line on the switch which is just frustrating right and i think link's awakening came out like 2019 so we're talking about like, <laughs> like yeah even no this like, is not a new problem right yeah like um two plus. but i've also I've, I've been hanging out on the switch i started shin megami tensei 5 which is a game that looks all right and handheld and when you put it on a tv it looks quite bad. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I've noticed that a lot. Like when I uh, I, I speak up uh, um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles a lot, and I think it's yeah. great playing it on the Switch and the screen. But like once you blow it up to like a full Scott size TV, it can look a little ugly. Because well, you you notice the details because it's a lot bigger, right? And yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. environment looks really bad. Uh, I'm really early in Shimagami Tensei. Um, I'm gonna be curious how I stick with the if I how long I stick with oh. this. Um, now here's the thing, and I know that people who love Shimagami Tensei can't stand when people compare it to Persona, but guess what? I'm gonna do that because Persona is a spinoff of this game. It would be like if you played Judgment, Justin, and you never brought up Yakuza. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like it would just be like you're missing a lot of context. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I. I huh. So Shimagami Tensei is a lot more focused on like the combat, which is fine, but and, and like the mechanics. But because of that, that's like the stuff I like least about Persona. <laughs> and like I still like it in Persona, and it's fine in Shimagami Tensei. But the things I really care about in Persona are like that story and the characters and their dynamics and and progressing relationships with them. And and I also like the life sim management stuff where it's like I gotta make sure he does his laundry and I gotta make sure <laughs> that he's studying for his tests and whatever. Um, whereas that is just completely 100% not in Shin Megami Tensei. And that's great for people who really like that hardcore combat that might be missing that with how Persona centric Atlas has been over the past several years since Persona 5 released. But it also means that here I am playing this game and it's, it's, a, it's less than what you would want or less than what I would want. It feels a little bit like a prototype for Persona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it also like is missing the style and like the artistic flair and whatever that persona has. And that's fine because, you know, not every series needs to be that. But because it's still, you know, using that combat system and stuff, it's like when you start, the battle music doesn't start up until you make your first move, which is kind of like a cool thing. But it also uh, feels extremely unceremonious <laughs> because it's just like the same music as the overworld. of Now you're just standing all in a row doing this turn based combat. But. How is the, I will I will provide more updates on that as we How go. is the combat in comparison to Persona? Is it similar or is it The combat is very similar, but it lacks a lot of I mean I felt like moving through the menus of Persona's combat just because of the the visual style and how it all felt like the visual style paired with the music choices, it always felt like you were part of I found myself doing that stuff like in time with the music to kind of make it feel like it was like a music video or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which made like every, I know it's kind of like weird to say, but like it made every single encounter, even when you're fighting like the really small mobs, like very, very fun. 
Whereas this is just very standard, you know, JRPG combat, which isn't bad, but um, it is like a lot of that Persona stuff without a lot of the things that I really like about it. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I really liked in my time with Persona Five was how when you're managing your mana or uh, what they call that SP MP whatever it is, uh, yeah, SP, yeah, the SP. It's just like because you're on a timer, it makes you think of every combat encounter. And, you know, like, I know you're supposed to do this in RPGs, but like in JRPGs, but it just it just made the management of that resource more interesting because once you're done with that yeah. resource, you're kind of done with the you dungeon go for that day. So, right. yeah, um, I just think that can even make a little bit of a standard combat system kind of more interesting. And that's why I like mm-hmm. that combat a lot personally. But the one thing is that uh, if the, the thing I think Persona 5 does great is that style. And the thing about Persona 4, if you ever go back to play that, it does not have that same. It's missing a lot of that. Yeah, right? that, yeah. that like just like jazzy kind of cool uh, flow to it. But yeah. Eh. Yeah. And then, like I said, I started uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I'm really early in. You, pl- I remember it's interesting starting it up i was like i don't remember really anything about, about this game <laughs> i remember a few key moments that i thought were really good um but i also remembered that i really disliked the opening because you play as aloy as a kid for way too long um which remains true <laughs> like like i think that opening is like dreadful and then so the second when you finally become you know her as like an adult or teenager or whatever and like it opens up it, it gets quite good so getting through that tutorial is like tough but um yeah i i do like it one thing and this is such a nitpick and i remember i remember this from the original that like bothered me then and i was like hoping might be patched out by now um every single time the camera changes all the characters clothes and hair like freaks out because i assume that that they are like being loaded in and they load in like t-pose or whatever and just instantly snap but the physics because i think it's being done in engine the physics of their hair and clothes just like loses its mind and it happens every single cutscene, and it makes me so angry that's hey you know they'll probably nail it for the second one i'm sure yeah and it's it's such a petty thing but um I mean, you see it enough times that it doesn't become petty. It becomes... That's the thing. She's got long hair. So, like, <laughs> it, it really, like, whoa. But uh, I, I am excited to play more of it. Like I said, it's freaking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and, and even so, on the PS5, on my nicer TV than I had when I was in college. So, Justin, I, I see here also that you have the Matrix... Uh, excuse me. The Matrix Awakens. Yeah. Um, have you seen the new movie? No, I have not seen Resurrections yet. Correct, but I've not seen it either. It's uh, it's um, it's there. It's there. It's on my my HBO Max on my TV. Get there. The first Matrix is like one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie. Um, great film. Good flick. It's it's wonderful. So I'll be I'll, I'll watch that at the some point. And third are some of my least it. favorite movies. <laughs> uh, second, I thought second was fun when I watched it as a kid, and then even as a kid, I remember thinking the third one was like this is nothing. This is disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, I liked. Uh, I remember the fight, the final fight between him and Agent Smith in the rain, and all the cool. other Agent Smiths are like standing there. Yeah, they should just help though. That made it a little bit easier. Yeah, but if I'm remembering correctly, Neo kicks their ass in Matrix Two. Well, then you have to fly away because there's just too many of them. So like, if you I just have like all of them on top, and then just the one just punch him in the oh, face. Oh yeah, that does happen. Don't they all so, jump on top of him. Just saying. Yeah. 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 Agent Man, Smith I, I could talk about the Matrix for a long time. The first one, at least. Um so, Matrix Awakens. I also played it. This is the Unreal 5 
uh, experience. Okay, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, what did you play it on? I did it on my PlayStation 5. Uh, I did it on my PlayStation 5 too. What you think? So, so if you haven't played it, it is like what, like a six to seven minute sort of quick time event scene where it just sort of shows you off. Like, here's what the Unreal Engine yeah, Five it, does, and then it ends by dropping you into an open world city. Yeah, that you can sort of fly around and and adjust some things on and, and take a look at the technology behind yeah, it. It's but, really not a game. So if you're going in pretending it's a game, then that's not really the point of it. Uh, I think one yeah. thing that it starts off with um, Keanu Reeves. Eventually, Carrie Ann Moss, like, talking, like, saying, like, some mumbo-jumbo about philosophy, like, in The Matrix that you would get when they're talking to the camera. And as I was watching that, I, the whole time I was questioning, are these real people? Yeah. Or are these models? Yeah. And I honestly couldn't look at you with a straight face and tell you exactly what moments are real and what moments are not. Yeah, I I think they were fake i think it was all in unreal 5 right i i thought it was right i mean there's there's even like that time when like keanu like looks into the mirror and looks at himself was that real when it was the younger version of him the too, older version he's looking yeah, at? yeah yeah i guess that was fake right i think it's fake and i think like that scene you know like in the first matrix he's like sitting at his desk and it's like where he gets the message yeah. about like you know follow the white rabbit or whatever uh, that I think is that was, was definitely also yeah in that, they redid yeah. that beginning part. Um, I think the thing that gave it away for me is the part when Carrie Ann Moss is walking and like her like way her hips are moving just looks like a video game like walking mm-hmm. like she didn't look like she was walking correct. And I think the the fact that I even was like thinking that shows you how good some of this stuff can can look uh, on yeah. Unreal Engine five and and how one of the things about this is how easy it is uh, for developers to use these tools to create a big open world with like pre-done mm-hmm. engine tools in Unreal five. Yeah. And I think if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, that open world is a template that they are licensing out as well. Oh, like that specific one. Yeah. I, I, I think because I, I might I, be wrong I, about that because a lot of what that world was that you can walk around they had like everything uh was kind of like auto populated with what the the roads look like with the AI maps with the car um like where they drive it's all supposed to be done individually and uniquely so that was just kind of like again just using some tools auto created a world um and then you can just walk around in it and again that's I thought it was cool I liked it it looked cool yeah what'd you think of the actual like I don't know. Quick time event shooting guys on a. It was bad. It was bad. I it, ultimately I didn't think it mattered. Like I didn't. Did you get? Did you get a fail state at all? No. Yeah. I don't know if there is even a fail state necessarily, but um, I, it was again kind of cool to like be playing it. And the thing that gives it away that it's not real is the animations, which yes, kind of funny that graphics are beyond animation at this point. <laughs> well, I, I think that like you look at, um hand animated stuff versus mm, i'm trying to think about how to say this obviously like everything is like hand animated like like, like yeah. things are are done by people but you look at the care given to you know the moment of keanu reeves and carrie Ann moss talking about like the future of yep. video games and whatever that is going to have a lot more care than you know random the agents jumping yeah, jumping off the, whatever yeah. yeah uh and getting out of those cars and stuff so yes i agree and i think that's what's interesting and you know, as graphics become better and better and get a little bit more accessible, I think it'll be interesting to see where 
other elements of game making need to catch up, mm-hmm. you know, because like, like exactly what you said, like if they were just still images, it would be kind of tough to be like, is this from a movie or is this from a game? But then when you play it, you're like, oh, game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like even walking around the open world, I would stop. And then it like takes a second. That's like, oh, that's like a photograph. But then you walk yeah. again, and then you have that moment. Like it doesn't really move smoothly, like it is a real world experience. But hey, we're yeah. getting there. It's closer. I mean, that said, that said, incredibly impressive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like it looks, it looks really, really good, and and I'm excited to see uh, what else uses that because I think um, abandoned probably abandoned. I think is using Unreal Five. I know that. Uh, funny, we talked about them earlier. Layers of Fear t- uh, 3 or whatever that's going to be called is using Unreal 5. Mass Effect uh, 4 is weird to say because there was 4 with Andromeda. But. Oh, I've been playing Mass Effect 3, by the way. Oh, cool, That's cool. very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, I think, high-profile things that are coming out using Unreal 5. I think the Dead Space game, that's the reboot that's coming out, might be. Uh, anyway. I mean, I, I would assume that eventually most things will just probably, like, carry over to that. But yeah. That's it's cool. It's a look into the future, and uh, I'm certainly excited to see where it all goes. But I also think what, what I think is really cool is that I think smaller games are just going to be able to look really like a lot better. Yeah. Um, because you look at you know what I don't know what engine Naughty Dog uses, but you look at <laughs> uh, 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 Last of Us Two, and that game is the best looking game maybe I've ever played in terms of like capturing like what people look like and and animation and stuff like that. Um. So it'll be cool to see more studios being able to achieve something like that with with those tools. And um, I don't remember. I I haven't like necessarily like pulled up this article, but there was an article I was reading on IGN that was talking about the 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 publisher behind uh, Chicory and Tunic was talking about how expensive indie games are beca- are are to make and how yeah. you know indie games used to be like oh it's just you and yourself and you can make it by you know you and your friend and like do it from your garage and stuff but like the reality is like a lot of these indie games are like highly produced big bigger teams on them doing this kind of yeah. stuff and it's hard to I, jump into that well I saw a breakdown of things of talking about like game budgets and how like an indie game that wants to have six people working on it trying to pay each person sixty thousand dollars a year uh for like a year is going to cost like 1.5 million dollars or something right, like that. Yeah, it, it was like, something crazy um I, I don't think those numbers are exactly what it was but it, it is just showing that yo even if you have a really small team paying them a living salary is still going to end up costing millions of dollars to make a game. And even beyond like the the salary of the workers, thinking about the technologies and the experience and all the stuff that is going to be required yeah. to do that, that's not cheap anymore. And like having enough no. people to work on it to like design some of this stuff, it, it's just absolutely insane. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, let's talk about games that are being made, though. I mean, this seems like a decent segue. Justin, we did get an update on Abandon. I know that's not our first thing on on our list here. Oh but no, we it's did the first thing in my heart. Up. First thing in my heart. I I figured that's that's what you would want to uh, say here. Uh, here's an article from GameRant.com titled "Blue Box Game Studios Gives Abandoned Development Update." This is by some chuckle fuck named Peter Hunsmitzek. <laughs> Uh, says, although it seems like there aren't quite as many eyes on it as there were earlier this year, development on survival horror game Abandoned has continued and Blue Box Game Studios is looking to finally give fans a better look at the title in 2022. Following the content lacking real-time experience app that Blue Box launched on PlayStation 5 in August, the studio has gone relatively quiet, offering very little in terms of uh, development updates until now. Posted to the official Blue Box Game Studios website, an update on Abandoned comes in the form of a blog post titled Dev Blog 1 and the start of a new year, which details some of the 
events that took place behind the scenes at the studio. According to the Post, Abandoned has been devel- uh, in development since 2019, but it only became the studio's main focus earlier this year after the game was officially announced. So, the actual post here is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, they touch on saying hey, we sort of messed up with the real-time experience app and we were having some clear technical difficulties and all that sort of stuff. But they don't ever, like... Mm, it's weird. <laughs> like, let me read you the entry for real-time experience launch. Resulting in lots of stress, missed deadlines, and a chaotic production, we announced the real-time experience PS5 app in June 2021 to showcase the game and tech behind it. Having to know that the real-time experience app was announced too soon and the ongoing pressures of rumors, our team again faced hardships to properly showcase the game through the real-time experience, causing it to delay the app not once but twice. It's weird because, like, yes, obviously you do have this major pressure, especially from everyone, like, expecting this to be Silent Hill or whatever. But I'm not sure how the pressures of that resulted in the the actual delay of things. I guess maybe just they're hoping, you know, hey, we want to make sure this is all exactly how we want it before it comes out. But, like, I don't know. A lot of the entries are, are sort of similarly, like, here's what happened, but without providing, like, actually an update on it, just more of a summary of the story so far. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a simple a simple story about um, a small development team got in over its head, and uh, they didn't have a realistic understanding of how long things take to make or what, like, troubleshooting things are, and they were trying to, they were thinking of the end product before thinking about how to get to the end product. Um, yeah. So, I mean... It, as as fun as it would be to be a mystery about this being the next Hideo Kojima game or whatever, uh, you know, the more these updates come out, the more it just shows that this is probably not going to be a triple A quality game, folks. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to say the very least. I mean, like these things are, and and I believe where are they from? Are they Denmark, uh, Netherlands? They're somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's interesting, like the typos and stuff in here are, are weird. Um, so for example, one of the one of the like uh, headers for one of the paragraphs is prologue a game reveal, and the it says prologue a, and the a has like an apost- like a, a accent over yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, people like, are, I don't know are, what that means. People are searching for it online furiously now, being like, "What does it mean to have an accent over an a? Does that mean Hideo Kojima? Is that how you spell it?" Hideo? Oh my gosh! Oh my it's god! Blown this part yeah, really over. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like even this, it, it does say Q1 2022 is going to be an interesting for uh, is going to be interesting for our fans of Abandoned. Um, with the reveal, with the game reveal being around the corner and the release of the prologue coming closer and closer, we are working hard to make sure to showcase the game and the best at the best and stable way possible. Uh, it is interesting, uh, as this author Peter Spitek does note that they reference a prologue, like a playable prologue. That they're going to be putting uh, up on, I think, the real-time experience app. And then also a tech demo. And they don't really specify if those are the same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> or what uh, or what people can expect and when. Um, yeah. I would assume, final, too. Final update of the year. I would assume that the, because they say the name of Abandoned is going to be something else. So the prologue, I think, is titled Abandoned. Um, so like, I think that'll be like the first part of the game to at least set us up for what it is. Um, and maybe it'll be something similar to the matrix awakens when you have a little bit of an experience and then a world to walk around and you have to like collect pages and avoid slender man or something like that. Something like that. Weird. Um, how that all works, but thanks abandon. I'm going to be excited to hear more about you as time goes on. (laughs) Um, 
Also here, uh, also from Game Rant, this is uh, from Pam K. Ferdinand. This is titled Star Wars Eclipse Might Not Launch Until 2027. Essentially, the article says that uh, obviously there has been this rumor about Star Wars Eclipse since, I don't know, the summer maybe or late fall or early fall. And uh, we finally saw it and it was finally confirmed at the Game Awards this year and it's being developed by Quantic Dream, but that uh, according to an industry insider, the game has been in development for 18 months, but there's no playable version of it yet. Ooh. And that there, uh, <laughs> there are some troubles in the studio, which makes sense given the controversy surrounding Quantic Dream as uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, the director of, of the studio, is uh, not a great guy. <laughs> in you, terms of wait, the, did you say Nicolas Cage? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. That <laughs> would Nicolas be the Cage. studio I want to work for. <laughs> no, uh, uh, David Cage uh, has gone on record and said some pretty fucking abhorrent things about women and, and people in the LGBT community, which uh, isn't funny and fucking sucks shit. Uh, but that may be one of the reasons why the studio turnover for like developers and, and anyone else uh, at that team is so bad. Um, and, and then also because they're working on a game. It, that they've in a genre in a in a style that they've never done before um it, it it makes sense that it might take them quite a while but 2027 is like an unimaginable amount of time away from right now yeah I mean, five years like oh in, my in 2027 God. i will be turning 30 that's insane like i'm not gonna be like putting you know dates on anything here but i might have a child i, I like in five years yeah I, like, are we going to be using the PlayStation Five anymore? Like, yeah, we're on the next. <laughs> probably, thing. but like, we'll be looking towards the next one, right? Like, that is a long amount of time. And I think one thing that is worrying about that, thinking about for two years, they've been almost been working on this, and they don't have much to 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 have with it. Detroit Become Human came out in 2018. Yeah. So, so what was happening besides the controversy with the studio in that meantime? And you would uh, assume <sighs> that over what four years. There's probably a lot of turnover in that company, so like I, I uh, it looked cool in the trailer, but a trailer is not a game, so no. who knows what this and is. And it was be. also clear, I think, from that trailer. I mean, you know, it's you take industry insider information with a grain of salt, but like, yeah, there was not gameplay in that. In fact, there was not even a suggestion at what gameplay would be yeah, in that. You right. saw people fighting, having a lightsaber fight. You saw people flying ships around, be, you know, shooting Drumming. guns. Beaten drums. Drumming. My favorite yes, part maybe, of Star Wars is when they beat the drums. Maybe you need the Donkey Kong drum extension. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then uh, for the for the Donkey second Kong player, game. you can use the the Guitar Hero guitar. Yeah, so yeah. I would symphony. play that. I yeah. would be if it was a really fucking experimental game. That was like you need the Donkey Kong controller <laughs> and a Guitar Hero controller. Uh, I would actually be like. <laughs> but um unfortunately it it does not seem like that's what this is going to be so i guess we'll hear more about this in the coming months and perhaps even years um this is sort of an oddity uh seattle (laughs) there was a seattle news station uh earlier this weekend that played the halo theme from halo 2 um (laughs) as they were filming the countdown to the new year uh which is quite funny i mean i mean this is an article again, again from Game Rant by Ken Sullivan, um, and it's just titled uh, "Seattle News Station Plays the Halo Theme to Kick Off the New Year." And if you have time, check this out because it's pretty funny. Um, 
You just have the newscasters being like, and here comes the new year. Take it away. And they cut to the Seattle. Was that the Space Needle? Yeah, the Space Needle. And it's like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, I mean, further proof that even the most mundane task can be made better with the Halo theme song in the background. Yeah, and you brought this up, too, as we were sort of getting ready and, like, compiling our notes for this. Uh, uh, <laughs> so there was that moment for you that we talked about a few months ago at this point where there was that in memoriam with the near with with some music from near whatever it is and like the question is always like well did someone know doing this being yeah. like i'm going to put the near song in this or like i'm going to put the halo song in this or do you think it was someone who just like was looking for like suspenseful dramatic music and they were like yeah this sounds cool what is this and they like throw it in there <laughs> and it turns out to be uh you know <laughs> from halo um I really, I, I really for, hope they have no idea that was Halo music. That's the thing. I was gonna say I don't know which one I hope for more, but I think that it would be. It's funnier if it's someone who just doesn't know what it is, because um, at some point in the process, someone had to have known what it was, they had, right? They needed to. They had to. And they had this moment where it was like, you know what? I could say something, or I could let this just play out. To be the most memorable, <laughs> and, and it's going to be extremely, extremely funny. <laughs> Uh, there, there's another, there's another update, sort of development update from uh, Final Fantasy uh, 14 and 16. So, uh, Final Fantasy 14, they've, I don't know if it's still suspended, but they've suspended um, sales of the game because it was just so popular, and the queue times and like, uh, like the wait times for being in the queue to actually play it um, was like not fun for people. So they stopped selling it, which is interesting because it is a game that has been stopped that that has had sales. Uh, put on hold for being first of all so good and also so bad because in the beginning of its life uh, I, I believe they did a similar thing because it just wasn't selling very well and they wanted to be working on it to f- help fix it um, which obviously paid off in the long run I'm not an MMO fan I'm a Final Fantasy fan but like with the amount of buzz that it's gotten it's gotten me interested in being like I would potentially check that out yeah, I, I, it's just so, again, it is like the perfect full uh, circle story for this. The fact that it was uh, pulled from shelves because no one was buying it. So now it's pulled from shelves because everyone's buying it. Like, <laughs> Right, that's awesome. Like, that's what you want. You know what I mean? Um, Final Fantasy 16 offered an update saying that basically when it was announced, when was this? I guess last year in 2020 or ooh, two years ago now <laughs> in 2020. Um they said, hey, you'll hear more about this in 2021. And then we just straight up did not. <laughs> uh, and then so in the final hours, and I think uh, uh, in the final week of 2021 here, uh, they released a statement saying, we're very sorry. COVID has impacted our development uh, because it's being developed in multiple different studios and multiple different offices. And so conversation between everyone, uh, between the different, you know, between people staying home and being in offices and whatever has made things drastically harder, as we can all attest to right yeah, over the oh, past yeah. two years. But... Uh, that Final Fantasy 16, they're going to have more announcements for it coming in 2022, and that they apologize for going dark for so long, but it will be uh, there will be more information about it in the new year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things that are coming out. Not not saying that you know, but even there's another Final Fantasy game coming out next year. So yeah, in March. So yeah. it's. Yeah. A lot, a lot take happening. Your time. Yeah. yeah, take your time. There, I mean, this is going to be a very busy year in terms of video games. Looking ahead, uh, which we'll be talking about next week, Woo! but uh, it is perfectly fine <laughs> to to say, hey, we're gonna 
get you more of this later. Uh, and I'm fine with I'm fine with waiting because I'm a big fan of of Final Fantasy, and there's plenty to play in the meantime. Uh, actually, weirdly enough, I watched a long video. It was like an hour and a half about like what happened with Final Fantasy 13, um, and I played a lot of that game. I didn't finish it as a kid, but I played a lot of it. And kind of makes me want to go back and play it. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, just as like a linear JRPG until it's not. Is but, it is uh, it an I, action RPG or is it like turn based? Thirteen. Justin, this is very interesting. This was like the first time. Um, so the studio, the the in house Square Enix studio that worked on Final Fantasy thirteen, their next project after doing all the thirteen stuff and its sequels was Final Fantasy seven remake. Okay, so you, there's a very clear line between seeing the successes of Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat and the failures of Final Fantasy XIII's. Um, so basically, it is not real-time, but it is not... It's a mix between real-time and, and turn-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that you have that APB meter that's constantly filling up. That's how you do any action in uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen. whereas like in the Seven Remake, you can attack and outside just of basic, using that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it, it's... After playing seven, it makes me go, oh, I think I sort of get how this works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to because, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, 50 hours or whatever. But uh, it, it made me realize, like, maybe this, I, maybe I judged this game too harshly from when I was a kid and not really liking it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, also, last thing here, Justin, Splinter Cell Remake has been announced. All right. Ubisoft. All right. I never played them. I've heard they're very good. Are you, are you a fan? Sounds like yeah. You are. I was uh, one of the first games I played on Xbox was the original Splinter Cell, um, and I think that game has not aged well, um, sure at all. Uh, but sure. like for it just being like the stealth nature of it, the the fact that you can uh, go through objectives in multiple different ways, and as the series progressed, it was a lot of that stealth versus action thing um, with it. So I I think you know a soft hopefully reboot here new uh new telling of sam fisher's story um uh, improved uh t- kind of like stealth mechanics this could be really fun mm-hmm. yeah i mean i will i will probably check this out i've not checked out any of the other ones but uh when, when this comes out i i don't think that they really have a timeline for this because it just was like announced in a text <laughs> in like a blog post from ubisoft yeah. oh by the so way i yeah. I, right, know, right, I do right. wonder what stealth looks like in 2022 because you know a lot of the instant fail stealth missions and stuff like that can be very uh i mean not fun (laughs) yeah exactly like like (laughs) you should cut those one of the things i like about death loop is that you can go in stealthy and then if you know you're playing it and then you stop being stealthy because you accidentally like walk in front of someone's eyesight you just fight your way out of it um yeah and for splinter cell i think the game falls apart when it's focusing more on action rather than stealth. But mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how they strike that balance um, in the game. But hopefully you don't have to like have an open world and clear towers in it. That's the one thing I ask. Right. I mean, like that's which is what all Ubisoft is <laughs> now. So, so you, you know, you, you hope that it's uh, not that, but so obviously this past episode that we did that we recorded was reflective of 2021 in terms of the best games of the year. And, and we did a little bit of um, other conversation around the other games that came out this year in our crossover with button mashing one Oh one, but there are still a handful of games that we maybe missed talking about um, or, or wanted to talk about that. We didn't end up getting a chance to. So Justin 2021 in video games, what were the games that sort of fell through the cracks that you still think were noteworthy to talk about? Um, 
or even games that you missed that you wanted to play that you didn't get a chance to. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of that, which I think is going to be like uh, my <laughs> my like backlog is mm-hmm. only ever growing <laughs> to a point yeah. where um, I don't know when I'm ever going to be playing some of these games. But um, looking at the my game of the year, I had like a kind of like a list of games that I had played that I liked that just did not find um a top 10 for me yeah so i had a bunch of games that i thought were really awesome games that uh just for whatever reason um didn't make the top 10 and you know i tried to as the best i could come up with like justification and reasoning in my head of why that was you know the case one game that uh came out this year that i played that i had a really good experience with was emily was away three yeah me too i meant to bring that up um what a what a special title yeah that, that i think is such a great and we talked about this in our review uh but it's such a great period piece which is weird because video games don't really do that <laughs> right you, exactly. you know or, or when they do it's just like oh it's set in you know 1960s la for la noir or that's probably even earlier than that but um but with, with emily's away like that is such a great encapsulation of uh of that time in all of our lives right right you know? and and i think like while I'm, I'm old enough to have used aol aol wasn't mm-hmm. my thing and i think yeah. with this kind of spoofing facebook uh that was something that i was like aware and like a high schooler during when facebook for, first like came out and started to become popular so it was just like yeah. a complete like just snapshot of like my life and while i was cosplaying this character um, it felt very much like what it was like when I was a kid. And I love how they had the whole website with the music that you could play in the background. So like yeah, literally I'm listening yeah. to music of that era while I'm clicking it. And I know that was a feature in all of it, but this one just hit home in a very nostalgic way for me. Um, that uh, was a really good game. It just, it was hard to fit ultimately on my top 10 list with, with the, the rest of the games that I played this year, even though it was a good one. But I just wanted to give a shout out to that game uh, particularly too. Well, that's the thing. It's the kind of game that I would absolutely recommend to just about everyone. Yeah. But in terms of like it being a, f- uh, the the always the argument of like what is a game is always <laughs> kind of weird. I think, and I'm not trying to say that it's not a game, but I would say that in terms of like gameplay, it is story heavy gameplay. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, it, it, I would say it is kind of a it's a cool experience, but it's not the kind of thing that I would necessarily replay so so soon after already playing yeah, it you exactly know? yeah um i agree i agree uh something similar to that uh is I- in terms of i would recommend it to just about anyone but like as a game like i don't know um turner boy commits tax evasion <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so, yeah it's so fun it's so cute uh and, and as a riff on zelda it is uh, those like you know top towns top down zeldas it's pretty wonderful um and i i think it's got a great sense of humor and style and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff the, i think the 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 reason that wasn't uh, like on my list was because I thought Chicory was a better version of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think ultimately the thing that makes tax uh, Turnip Boy commits tax evasion a hard sell. Um, again, I'm bad at video games, but I think the bosses were just hard enough that it would yes. frustrate. Like if I was like to Claire, I was like, "Hey, you should play this game." Um, she might laugh at some of the parts, but I know for a fact the boss battles would have been a barrier because myself, I was swearing at some of those bosses as I was fighting them yeah. in this casual, fun game. But no, that, that's a- extremely fair. I played it with Elena, yeah, and that was a stickler. Where like the gameplay itself is pretty fun and cute and whatever, but when it got down to it, you either didn't have 
enough practice with the actual mechanics of the combat because everything else was just hit once and then it's dead or they were a little un they didn't telegraph what they were going to do or whatever um so yes i would i would completely agree with that um did you play bowser's fury i did not but that is definitely like i i was just circling it in the sales over like december when i'm like kind of out of things to play on my switch that i'm like who i yeah. really want to it's right on there if you are I mean, I have in the past year and a half or so become like a Mario fan, which is weird because I'm not really like a platforming guy. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, I think mostly it's because the multiplayer is really fun with Elena and we get a, a hoot and a holler out of that. But I did Bowser's Fury and that has multiplayer, but it's like not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's uh, like a bad. It's the kind of multiplayer that like if I had a kid who was like really young, you just give him a controller and yeah. you know you give your, they have give fun your, zooming give around your, in the give background. Give your one year old uh, thing and he just shakes it like a maraca. Right. Yeah. Um. So Elena, I sat down to do it and she's like, Peter, I feel like a baby. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> like I've been like I've been given the baby role. And I was like, that's fine. We will. Uh, I will complete this on my own. Um. As someone who didn't really like Mario Odyssey just because of what it is, Bowser's Fury is awesome. And I'm sure for people who liked Mario Odyssey, the one complaint about Bowser's Fury from them is probably that it was too short because it's really good. It's just one big Mario level uh, and, and it all connects by these little islands and stuff like that. And doing the 100% completion of it is really satisfying and a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I would I would highly recommend that. It wasn't on my top 10 because I think it was too short to really be that great for me and i think if it was longer i would have not liked it as much just because of again the nature yeah, of how i like to yeah. play these sorts of things but um yeah i mean both mario and halo this year are going into a far cry mode right you know what i mean <laughs> i guess so which is weird right but straight up give give mario a grappling hook oh man that game i mean so what good. game wouldn't be better with a grappling hook come on I, that, right i Emily's Away 3, I guess. But, it, I mean, like, even if a storyline was about a grappling hook, like, that'd be kind of Yeah, you could just have one and, like, exit out your tabs that way. It would be just a n- nice little fun gameplay mechanic. I like it. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think another good thing about the Bowser's Fury was they released a re-release of something that was on the Wii U, but they have such yeah. an extra added value to it. A lot of the times it's yep. just kind of like, well, you might get another character skin or maybe a couple extra level, but, like, a whole different game that has different gameplay mechanics to it. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Nintendo. Thank you. And it's and apparently I, I watched some videos talking about it and the things that it actually adds to like the moves list. And like I'm not someone who's gonna be doing like really complicated jumps and whatever. Um in the same way that uh other people who are even deeper into it might be doing. But apparently the people who like do really take Mario seriously, um, there's a lot that was added to it that was kind of cool but yeah um what else you got another just kind of honorable mention uh from this year that came out was the little indie game tome t-o-e-m um oh it, yeah, yeah yeah it's the little like kind of black and white photography, photography right yeah photography yeah. game and it was like mixing a little bit of again what you would see in a game like chicory and pokemon snap together in a way that i enjoyed this a heck of a lot more uh than pokemon snap and pokemon mm-hmm. snap was fine but it was just a lot of fun it had that charm to it uh the puzzle solving in it was fun finding like 100 percenting that game and trying to find all of the, the the hidden uh picture spots and the hidden little duck characters there's a bunch of like ducks that were all dressed up in different outfits that you had to find um love it it was like just hard enough to be a good challenge and it was a short enough game i really enjoyed it but this fell with the same thing as uh turnip boy uh that i just thought chicory was a a, a overall 
better version of this game. Um, sure. But I think Toem was my number 12 game uh, right behind oh, Scarlet Nexus. Good game. Uh, my number 12 game behind Guardians of the Galaxy was Maquette, if you remember. Uh, this was a free on PS Plus or PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, it is. I think Bryce Dallas Howard and I think her real husband. Is that Dax Shepard? I know. I know it's not Dax Shepard. I don't think it is. <laughs> She's married to, no. uh, what's her face? Um, a Good Place. The Good Place. Oh, oh yeah. He's uh, uh, also, weirdly enough, Assassin's Creed 1. <laughs> um, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, Kristen Bell. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is uh, not Halo. Oh, Wait. gosh. Uh, is Twilight yeah. and other stuff and harry potter um, i'm just kidding about harry potter don't yeah gosh we have just completely fucked this podcast <laughs> <laughs> just scrap it and start over uh but maquette is a fun little puzzle game that i thought the puzzles were not good in but i thought that the voice performance by uh bryce Dallas howard and her husband were really really cool I thought the way that it told its story was really neat and interesting uh, with a lot of the text that was on screen and that paired with a lot of that licensed music really, really, really set the mood for uh, a, a memorable experience, in my opinion. And I've, I've gone back and listened to a lot of those songs. Um, one of them is called I Think You're All Right and it plays over the credits and it's it was one of my top listened to songs on Spotify That's this awesome. year because it's, it's just like it's like this mumblecore is the wrong word, but it's like this just, you know, indie band doing this fucking solid song. Uh, that I think really encapsulates the whole tone of Maquette. But I, I liked it a lot. I thought the performances were good, and um, it was surprising too. Uh, good, a good play. You know, three hours or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Annapurna, I think. And I just thought the puzzle solving itself was was pretty unique about the three different planes of size and things like that. And they yes. they use the mechanics pretty interestingly. And I remember that first time you realize you can like leave the the like area and like get into the really big world like that was just such yeah. a cool like moment of like understanding how the puzzles worked and how um it all kind of connects so yeah it was, it was, i think that was a really great game I'm really glad about having a uh, playstation plus for something like that that's what they need to do more of yes yes i agree um yeah i i just thought those performances were excellent uh what else is on here let's see I, I we talked yeah I, I counted ahead. up how many games I played this year I played fifty games that were released in twenty twenty one that's a lot that's I mean, crazy um and you know some of them were like demos like I guess I counted the uh, Resident Evil Maiden demo as one of them so if you're gonna be like a stickler about that um uh, it's still a different game than Resident Evil Village but um and I cannot remember a time when I played that many current games um in a year and i had a lot of good experiences i think with a lot of these so what a crazy year at 45 woo um and i counted things like i mean ghost of tsushima direct director's cut came out this year but i would not say that's a 2021 game yeah yeah um did you check out uh hell let loose no what's that that was um uh it was on it was also on ps plus it was like a hundred versus hundred world war ii shooter oh, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. hud light and like a single bullet will kill you um and it's like really really tense <laughs> because um yeah like you died like really like that but you like there's really no like like ammo indicator mm-hmm. or anything like that uh it, it was it was kind of cool it was cool to experience it to be you know running around in a field <laughs> um <laughs> which I, I mean i have never been to war nor would i ever like to but i think that fear of just like, oh gosh, at any second this could break really bad. 
um, is kind of cool. Uh, and not a game that I really enjoyed playing. I played it for, you know, five hours or so, but it was a cool experience to be like, well, this is what this is saying is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, other- and I think it handled uh, the two sides of World War Two very well as well, because, I mean, I think with the current um, climate around Nazis and, and fascism, I think that's quite sensitive. And you play on either the Axis powers or the uh, 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 allies and playing as those Axis powers is, I mean, they were not the good guys, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't, I don't think it does any sort of glorification of them or anything. Like, for example, when you're playing as them, like there are not swastikas on anything because I think that would be gross, <laughs> you know, of, of being like, well, oh, great. The Axis powers won. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought it handled that well in a time where that is extremely sensitive. Yeah, I was. Uh, speak, I think it's so interesting about how we depict uh, people in World War II, um, specifically mm-hmm. like the other side, and how a lot of the times we we as a society have like glorified World War II uh, to a yeah. certain point, and you know it being that big struggle against good and evil and coming out on top of it and everything like that. Um, and, uh, the article I was reading was talking about how that is essentially creating this narrative that is, um, still glorifying World War II and forgetting all of the bad things that were associated with World War II. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I just think that's an interesting point to make a lot. I think video games do have that really clear good versus evil, um, idea with World War II a lot. And it's even worse when you're playing as the evil side of it. So kind of cool that they handled it in that specific way. Um, There is an excellent review of Call of Duty Vanguard and the campaign on Polygon.com by Yusuf Cole. And he really wrote about it. uh, It's really interesting because I think exactly to your point, um, I didn't play Call of Duty Vanguard. Uh, I I think I'm going to be good without playing some Call of Duty games for quite a while. Thank you very much. Yeah. not even just because of how fucking horrible Activision is, um, but uh, my experience with uh, what was that game called? Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War was just so miserable yeah. <laughs> that uh, I am like, I'm very good, thanks. Uh, but but his review talked about like the way that it depi- talks about race and stuff because uh, one of the main characters, I think the main character is a black man, and um, Call of Duty Vanguard is not afraid to show that the Nazis and the people that you're fighting uh, are these horrible racists, you know, who, who are doubling down on this fucking horrific, you know, um, um, view of anyone who are not, is not white and, and whatever. Uh, there are other qualifications as mm-hmm. well. P- people that they did not see fit. Right. And that's horrible, obviously. Um, but it struggles because it also doesn't, it depicts everyone on the the allied sides as being like exactly what you said. Uh, you're glorifying this these people, and no, so, like the people on, on this side, as as Cole points out in his review, like we're shitty too. And being a black man in the military in 1942 was not great, or 45 mm-hmm. or whenever uh, was still not awesome because you were still a black man, right? Yeah. Um, and and he talks about how it gets these sorts of things wrong in the way that it wants to depict, you know, the allied forces as these paragons of good, which it just isn't true when you look at the individual stories of the people who were, um, 
he's still viewed as less worthy, right, in, in that time and even still today. But um, that was a fun little <laughs> side I, mean, I, 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 I uh, would go so much more into that. And I think without, like, getting too deep into that, um, I just read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called um, uh, Mafia Bombers or Bomber Mafia. Okay. Um, and, uh, it is essentially talking about, um, bomber pilots in, it's, it's called the bomber mafia, uh, about, uh, uh, bombers in world war two and how basically the art of precision bombing, uh, was invented and tried to be perfected in world war two. And it kind of talks about the moral, uh, implications about bombing civilians versus bombing targets and what the military yeah. actually did, um, and even talks about the dropping of the atomic bombs and stuff like that. So um, I highly recommend uh, reading that book for people who want more on this. I know it's not quite video game related, but I think that's the, interesting. The depiction of video games and, and how uh, we view war, I think, is definitely a conversation to think about. Uh, and even going back to what we talked about five days in Fallujah and how it has to be something that we have to be careful about or developers need to be careful about when both creating and then consuming that kind of content. And I think and, and I think you're right. This is probably a topic for another day. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I think that, the, the, the you know, video games, when you're making a, a game about a war, they have the choice to, well, are we going to make a fictional conflict or are we going to just use this conflict as a setting and people obviously are very touchy about these things because it's one thing to say like oh here's a fun fictional conflict that we've made about i don't know what was that game Homefront was like north korea invades the united states yeah. i think yeah um well that's fictional right and so there are a lot of different ways that you can go about talking about that whereas with something like world war ii no a lot of people died <laughs> like real life people died and the people who survived through this and and you know went through this it was not a fun shooter video game to them nope. <laughs> it, 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 you know um and so i think that exactly to your point being careful about how that is dealt with and talked about i think is really really cool so uh the, the conversations i mean is really really cool uh i would say that frequently it is not done how maybe i would think it should be done but also right what do but, I know? yeah we're, we're just anyway. sitting here Video games in 2021, yeah. Justin. Uh, what came out that you missed that you want to play? Because I'm doing Shin Megami Tensei right now, and that was one of my big ones. Um, and I know that after our conversation with BM101, uh, I had wanted to play Tales of Arise, but I'm like kind of kicking myself that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. And it's just funny because I think in most worlds, T Tales of Arise uh, would be a game I would like better than something like Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, not that Scarlet Nexus is bad. I think it's a good game, no, but like yeah. I, I just because Scarlet Nexus came out when it came out, I w I played it and I loved it, and I wish I could have invested time into Tales of Arise because that looks like an awesome action JRPG type of game with a good story. Yeah. Um, and I I was really shocked looking back at the games I played this year. I had a lack of JRPG games. Um, I was gonna say you are typically the person who is more of a JRPG person, yeah. and I am typically not. But I think I, I mean, I definitely had more on my top ten list. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I and I think part of that has to do with the ones on Switch were either a lot of sequels, and I'm pretty mm, big on playing mm -hmm. RPGs on Switch because it's just easier to play that wherever I am. Um, and I usually like I'm I, I play a console game 
when I binge it. Like, and that's just like, you know, trying to finish it in a weekend and you cannot finish yeah. a JRPG in a weekend, you know, like that would just ruin my life. If I'm just sitting there like eight hours a day for three weeks, just trying to, to grind through one of these. So I think that's probably, probably part of the reason, but I think because of that, I missed out on awesome, uh, things like, um, uh, Tales of Horizon playing that and also Final Fantasy 7 Integrate I know that's you know yeah, something I didn't touch that at all that's not really with a, a time thing that's just like I didn't end up playing that and I think it sounds like it's awesome and it's more of a game I loved last year so here's I think the problem with Final Fantasy 7 Remake because it's, it's in parts now like I am a fan of I like those episodic games I like your telltales and not, you know I played Life is Strange um but I am much more likely to play and finish a game if I know it's finished and it's done and that I can play through the whole thing than if I were to be playing it episode, you know, by episode. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the next, you know, maybe I'll be wrong about this. I don't think that the next Final Fantasy VII Remake part is going to be the, <laughs> the rest of the game based on from what I've heard about, like, how long that game actually is. But I also think it's weird, like, thinking about the end game of this. So they're just going to do this for, what, 20 years? Right, right. <laughs> you know, Um Maybe we'll see. Well, and I'm just not a DLC fan personally. Like, even if a game has come out after DLC has been released, I'll rarely go and play DLC just because, you know, I feel like sometimes you're done with a story kind of by the time you get to the DLC and it just feels like an afterthought. And I rarely go back and play like single player games after I'm done with it to play DLC anyway. And that's what this feels like. I mean, it is DLC, but. Yeah, I've heard it's great, though. I mean, I mean, from basically everyone who's played it, they're like, this is really, really solid. Um, and then uh, Inscription I didn't get to mm. that someone was tweeting at us talking about it and it was one of those games that I've heard a lot about I just didn't get to and I, I'm hesitant not hesitant to but I know that it goes some crazy fun places in terms of what it's actually about but as a person as someone who doesn't like love card games that's a barrier I, it is a barrier and while it might go into other genres and dip into other places uh the fact that you have to at least start by playing this deck building card game is maybe turning me away a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like it could be the, the best game in the world, but if it's not like a like if it's like a strategy game or Force of Five that or Horizon Five, that's a racing game. It's a quality game. It's a 10 out of 10 for many people, not the kind of game I want to play. So the fact yeah. that Inscription is this card builder, even if I like think it's like worth the story, I'm not going to want to necessarily like go out there and finish it. So yeah i might be and by the way this might be one of those clips where like cut this i might be eating my words in five weeks when i pick it up or whatever <laughs> yeah. on sale but uh yeah yeah um now if it was blackjack like pff, fucking give me that Man, all day yeah. um <laughs> nice and simple just hit me yeah sir me. you're at 21 hit me sir sir this isn't the matrix <laughs> if you're gonna hit me then hit me he says that and <laughs> I'm I, you, Justin. I'm worried that if we keep talking about the Matrix, <laughs> we're just gonna do the same thing that we did. I think at some point where we we did our Morpheus impressions. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta keep pull moving. back from that. Um, yeah, they was they were not good. Um, one more game. Uh, one more game that I I, I want to uh, play is the Kena Bridge of Spirits. Yeah, that seemed that seemed interesting. Yeah. Um, is uh, now I know that uh, uh, it has 
boss big boss fights where you know you get the name of the boss at the top and then the big health bar in the dark souls style is it supposed to be like a challenging game or is it more do you know yeah from from what i heard the combat can get hard and like mixing all the stuff together and uh one of the things that uh, a lot of trophy hunters complain about is the trophy list on this because one of the trophies is to play the game on the hardest difficulty level again Mm. um and uh first of all that's a sin for me in uh, a game for a trophy is to have to replay the game again um, on the hardest difficulty level. And part of the thing is that people are saying it's so hard to play because of that. Um, So not just because of that, but the game itself is just challenging and difficult. It's like uh, a lot of, a lot of vibes of like, (laughs) I don't want to say this, but like the souls kind of actiony aspect of it. Sure. Yeah. Just that tough combat, but, that makes sense. Is uh, do you know is the what's the platinum like for Horizon Zero Dawn? Great, do it. One of one of a good one. Yeah, and th- a lot okay. of that stuff is just like collecting uh, some extra collectibles that you can yeah. all go back to. Um, I think there's like maybe one or two missable collectibles that you might want to check on. Um, but even then, you could probably go back to an area. It just it would be a, a big time sink for you not to. Um, okay. get it right away. But I might. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll see. it's good. And I think the thing about that game is when I got the Platinum, it was like much like you were talking about with Deathloop, how getting the Platinum in Horizon makes you do combat in a way that I didn't normally do combat. And it just kind of opened mm. it up to me. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I wish I knew this when I was like playing the story or I did this when I was playing the story. Gotcha, gotcha. I, it's funny, it, starting that game up again, and we'll talk about games we're looking forward to next week. Um, starting that up again, like, I remember, oh, I liked this a lot. You know, I, I liked the combat, I liked the stealth stuff, and, and this is beautiful. So I, I am looking forward to, um, what's the name of the next one? Forbidden West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forbidden West. Do you? I got a question. Do you ever find out what Zero Dawn means? I think so, yes. Okay, yes. uh, that makes that, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, anyway. the, there's some cool plot twists in that story too, and I think um, that'd be one of the games that knowing where it goes would be really mm-hmm. fun to play from the beginning again and just get all those little hints and stuff. But I sure. still do not think in my life I will be able to replay that game before um, Forbidden West comes out. Nor do I think I need to. I was gonna say because I mean you at least completed it, yeah. and I'm sure that you could probably. Like recall what that story was. Enough I have of it. Yeah, I have literally no recollection. I remember two things maybe. Um, so I, I will be excited to see where it goes. Um, and uh, well, I was also worried, and and I think the, this has been uh, uh, laid to this fear has been laid to rest. I was worried that like you know I just got done with Ghost of Tsushima. I just got done with Halo Infinite. I'm like I do not want to play another open world game, but it is unique enough and fun enough for it to be like well you know. This is this has enough going on that is separate from those games mm-hmm. that it'll it'll be worth a play. And paraglider, uh, maybe a grappling hook too. We don't know. It could be a reveal. She's got a grappling hook in in the second one. Oh well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Does she get a paraglider in the first one? I don't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, she definitely has it in the second one. I've seen it yeah, in yeah, the trailers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot to look back on in 2021 and for us to kind of put it to, to, to bed here, how long the beat came out with, uh, I don't know if they came out, they have a bunch of statistics on their website and you can sort the statistics statistics by year to see about, about different games. What was the most played, most finished, longest engaged with and all this other stuff. Um, but they have a couple of, uh, uh, overalls in 2021 that I thought were pretty interesting. So in 2021 on how long to beat, there were 1.8 thousand 
games released. Wait, 1.8. That's a lot. 1,800. Yeah, I'm bad with numbers. Uh, It says 1.8, so that makes sense. The average time that people played video games for was 15 hours and 53 minutes. That was like the average time about how long people played a single game. So that, you know, probably like the games that are really short, uh, average with the games like GTA Online that people probably played for, you know, thousands of hours this year. Um, The average time people played a game, like games were played was 15 hours and 53 minutes. The average... Do you mean, sorry, do you mean that is the average length of the game? Uh, Or is it the average time I would assume average time played a game. Okay. Um... And then the average rating of games was a 75% that was released. That's not bad. I mean, yeah, it, it checks out. Like, a lot, a lot of games, it's hard for games to be bad. It's easy for games to not be what I prefer, right? Um, yes, yes, yes. Even with the medium, I would say the medium has faults in it. It's not, like, a bad game to me, um, but it's still a 7, <laughs> you know? like it's Right, I mean, that's the thing, like... It, it is a functional game that if you are going to play it, you can sit down and play it start to front and it is not, there are no problems with it. It's not, it's not like stupid. Right, like right. it's not frustrating. I just didn't like it, you know? Um, so like at a baseline, it is a functional video game that is, would probably blow my freaking mind <laughs> in, you know, when I was, you know, 11 right. or whatever. Um, in terms of how it looks. Yeah. What's up? Uh, so then they kind of break down about the games that are released, um, per like system. So I know like 1800 games seems like a lot, but like 1600 of those games were all released on PC. So that could be anything from like a a very like basic clicker to like a whatever. So a lot of this stuff goes on PC. So most games that are played are played on PC. I don't think that's a shock to, to anyone because, you know, from minesweepers to, um, final fantasy those games can be on a computer uh but then they the the games uh there were uh 375 games released for nintendo switch there were uh 273 games released for xbox one and 157 games released for playstation 5 and again none of that stuff is necessarily shocking to me um that that i really don't think there were many like playstation 5 like exclusive games this year right well it's 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 important to point out so you read xbox one but the xbox series x and s yeah. had uh 156 so like one less than what the playstation 5 right, had right like that's which is a system four exclusive right. so i'm trying to think like what didn't come i don't know not ma- doesn't matter um it makes sense that the switch had the most out of all of those oh, yeah. given the fact that it's been around for so long first of all and second of all i mean it had more than um so you know 375 on the switch uh, 308 on the PS4, 273 on the Xbox One, right? Yeah. Uh, it makes sense because it's been out for so long, first of all. And then second of all, um, it is very quickly become the place for indie games. Oh, right? yeah. Like so many indie games that would uh, would be on PC alone are now also on Switch too, which has right. made that eShop nearly impossible to go through. Yeah, right, because I think, and not to speak, like I'm not trying to paint broadly and say indie games are lower quality, but there are a lot of visual novel dating simulators <laughs> <laughs> right for example on the nintendo switch where like opening that up is like whoa <laughs> ah good finally we have this on here um 
but also I think it is interesting, like exactly what you said, the PlayStation five is the console that right now is going to be having the exclusives right outside of, you know, switch does definitely does, but between like the PS five and the Xbox series X and S um, it's going to be having those exclusives, but it has a single, a single title more than uh, the series X, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then just a couple of like g- generic stats too to talk about uh, on how long to beat. The most completed game was Resident Evil Village, uh, and then Metroid Dread, and then Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It takes two, and then Super Mario World plus Bowser's Fury, which that was kind of interesting to me for the top five of that. Um, and then right below that, uh, I was number, say, number six, six is twelve minutes most completed game. Which what does it mean to complete twelve minutes? You know what I mean? <laughs> which ending are we talking about? My Justin, I mean in the top ten, number nine is the medium. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, uh, interesting, interesting. Um, uh, it also does uh, twelve minutes. Also appears here uh, as the most retired. So people who start playing it and stop playing it before they finish. Yeah, it's shocking. Uh, and you have. <laughs> You have some some games that I think make sense. I mean, Valheim is at number one. Yeah, there's really I guess no really, ending to Valheim, right? It's, right? it's yeah. an MMO, right? Uh, survival craft. No, it's not an MMO. It's like a survival crafting. Whatever. Uh, a, a tougher way to say like, oh, this is over. Uh, number three is 12 minutes. Number six is the medium. <laughs> um, well, and I think part of the th- fact that's interesting about this list, too, is on the most retired or stop playing early, you have a bunch of games that are like Game Pass games that, that kind of get on yeah. there. Um, I mean, uh, 12 Minutes was a Game Pass, Pass game, but the game The Ascent, which I put you know eight hours in but I didn't finish, was another Game Pass game that came out that I never finished. Outriders, another game through Game Pass that people probably started and just didn't finish because of how damn hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, the medium, Back for Blood, Scarlet Nexus, like that's actually kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, like um, a ton of those. And then uh, Odd World's Odd World Soulstorm was also on there, but that game was released on PlayStation Plus. Plus, so it yeah. kind of checks out. Uh, I will say it makes sense that people didn't finish Scarlet Nexus, given the fact that like that split protagonist thing just didn't really pan out, mm-hmm. being. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But um, what else is here? Uh, top played uh, is Halo Infinite, Forza Horizon Five. That makes sense though because um, yeah, they had come out and said, "Hey, Forza Horizon Five had the best Xbox first party launch yeah. I think ever." Yeah, and then Halo Infinite, I believe, when it launched a few weeks later, had the second best, which is kind of crazy. Um, other other notable ones: Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. That makes sense. Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all Go time. Figure. Uh, it makes sense that people are playing those games. Metroid Dread, that's good to hear, especially because, uh, you know, Metroid is historically not sold very well. Um, and then number five here is Shin Megami Tensei Five, which is interesting as well. The, the demand for that, though, is freaking crazy huge. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I know that I, I believe the Shin Megami Tensei series, you know, alongside with like Persona and whatever else, uh, I believe are, while they're popular out here in the West, they are like infinitely more popular um, in... in Asia and Japan and stuff like that. Um, uh, then a couple of just interesting ones at the bottom here. They had the shortest games versus the longest games. So for the shortest games, for a good example here, the Matrix Awake, the Matrix Awakens, you can complete in about twenty minutes, um, probably from cutscene to walking around the open world. Yeah. Um, but there's a game called A Firm Handshake that is the shortest game of the year at seven <laughs> minutes and fifteen seconds to complete. So if you have a Linux, Mac, or PC, you can uh, get a good handshake in there. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that game is wonderful. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, yeah. So main story going to average you seven minutes. 
Um, <laughs> if it's rushed, it's going to get you six minutes. So, you know, be careful about that. You don't want to never, shave one of never those off. rush your handshake. Yeah, but leisurely, uh, that's going to hit you at about eight minutes. So don't don't worry. <laughs> Stupid. Um, uh, and then they had uh, longest what we, games. What was the longest? Uh, yeah. Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. Don't know what that this is. is um, embark on a journey to a realm overrun by demons and a new epic RPG from the creators of Critically Acclaimed. Oh, Pathfinder is the series. Oh, okay, Yes, okay. that is a... Uh, I think they're like uh, RTS games. Ah. Oh, yep. Uh, well, no, sorry. Turn-based isometric role-playing games. There you go. There you go. Um, and then Valheim is number two. Uh, and then I guess an interesting one is Neo 2 Complete Edition was number four um, at 76 hours. So that's... Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what else is on here? Yeah, Shin Megami Tensei 5. Oh, gosh, it's 63. I, I think these are for, like, completionists, though. Because, like, let's see. Shin Megami Tensei... Um, average is 50 hours. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, no. You started uh, it. Completionists, 100, 100 hours, 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, you got this. I have faith. <laughs> yeah, probably. Thank you. Um, what else is on here? Uh, interesting. Uh, in most reviews, so, you know, they take a look at how many reviews games are given uh, on, on the platform. Resident Evil Village is at number one. Uh, number five is 12 minutes. It's interesting. I think with a game so like controversial is maybe the wrong word because I don't know if it was necessarily controversial, but it definitely had a major moment of conversation. Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, I guess that's what controversial is, uh, especially with, with some people being like, it's genius and other people being like, it's stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> um, uh, it, it makes sense then that it would have the most reviews on here. Let's see. Um, Oh, sorry. Uh, most reviews aggregated because everyone wants to talk about it. And if you are a website that wants to, like, you know, be a part of this, Get your clicks. Yeah. Oh wait, nope. I'm so sorry. Uh, I am entirely wrong. It is reviews on the actual website. Uh, uh, on the uh, the website, how long to beat? So, oh, yes, there got are it. Yeah. So the most people reviews. have things to say about that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, this guy says. <laughs> Only played about for, for about 15 minutes before getting frustrated and looking for a walkthrough. Hey, oh. So, well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Hey, try, but, try playing it before it came out and looking for that walkthrough. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, Justin, <laughs> that was rough. It, it I was, mean, like, yeah. you know, like, like, I think I actually finished it after it had come out um, because I wasn't able to get through uh, something that, like that. I think that was I, the only game this year I stayed up to, like, 1.32 in the morning trying to beat it. Uh, just yeah. because, like, it, it gets to a certain point in the story when you gotta see it through. Um, right, and where it's boy, like, yeah. I was so mad. I was so mad. Yeah, so mad. It's not a good game. No, <laughs> it's not a good game. Uh, I did that with Halo Infinite. Um, because I got to the point where I was like, well, if I if I finish this tonight, I'll be up for another forty five minutes. But if I finish it tomorrow, it'll be a forty five minute. Just like, and then it turns out it's like two hours. It's oh, I'm always wrong with like guessing how much more I have. Oh yeah, but I think that's a pace. I mean, like, I think can you imagine doing that with like The Last of Us two? <laughs> you know, where you're like, oh, this is sort of winding down, and then you have another, you know, two hours or hour and a half or whatever. And when you're done with Ellie's story. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to stay up and do this, and it's like literally 12 more hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also, I, I think it's interesting here, most backlogged here, you have Near Replicant version 1.22, whatever. Uh, that makes sense. That is a game that I think people would be interested in starting and then being like, you know what, I'm actually going to save this. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
for later. Resident Evil Village, that's sort of surprising simply because it's it's pretty quick and, and people would be down to get through it. Uh, but then number three here is uh, the one I think is the most interesting to me is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It makes sense because that's the kind of game where, you know, a lot of games came out this year. Obviously, we talked about how it was maybe not the strongest year in gaming, but there were still a lot of games that came out that if you're wanting to keep up, uh, maybe devoting the time to replaying the Mass Effect trilogy uh, is going to that's going to get you there in terms of how long that's going to take. Yeah. But, yeah. And like I, I play through the first one and I haven't gone to the second one yet, but I will. I want to. Yep. I'm going to. But I mean, yep. not yet. It was my goal to get that done by the end of the year. But uh, I finished Persona 5 Royal took precedent over that. Mm, makes sense. Checks and, out. And uh, I did. I did start Mass Effect 3. Hey, I started that's it. all you need. We're going to see how it goes. Just mainline it. Everyone dies. I mean, don't know well that's the thing you can't right like you have to like play that you how you're gonna to play do it. everything <laughs> yeah um but th- th- i'm not mad about that like it's a good game uh and and i i enjoy it and it's cool too to, to see especially having started it started the trilogy at the beginning of the year seeing like where it has ended up with with certain elements yes 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 that's 2021 what a year what a year well i I don't know. Like I said, I, and I think I mentioned this on on the crossover episode, um, which again will be in the in our feed at some point in the next week or so. Here, um, I, I think that a lot of people said this was a horrible year for gaming, and while I don't, while I agree that there are stronger years for gaming, and that there were uh, valleys of this year where it was like, yo, nothing's coming out. Yeah, um, I would also say that this is a more consistent year in gaming where even though there aren't these knockout hits, um, you know, with last year, I mean, you had so many knockout hits, right? With last of us Two, persona five Royal ghost of Tsushima, uh, uh, final fantasy seven remake, like all these huge triple a knockout hits. Um, the, the disparity between those games and the games that were maybe, you know, fifth through 10th best of the year might've been, was a little bit greater. Whereas this year I felt like, you know, 10 through one, all solid, solid games. Yeah. And I mean, looking at, at, uh, uh, Metacritic or not, not Metacritic, how long to beat, uh, average rating of 75%. I might bump that up to an 80. I'd say it's it's an 80 year. That ain't bad. No, no. 80s. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't stand out against the years that have those huge nine, nine and 10 out of 10 games. But like the consistency is great. And, And if you are looking for video games this year, well, buddy, I got some suggestions for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the medium. So, I would probably not start there, but I would assess like, you know, what kind of games do you like? I would probably say like, try it on like Remastered games? first. <laughs> like, do you like games that I don't like? <laughs> anyway, is your name Justin Matkovich? <laughs> Check out this game. You're gonna go look at <laughs> dilapidated buildings that you've seen before. And um, hide from a monster that is seems like the person who was designing it never stopped designing. Yeah, still going, still going. <laughs> Looks like a Shinigami from Death Note. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this, the 73rd episode of Hitbox, a podcast where we like to uh, talk about the... Uh, what the fuck am I saying? Uh, you're doing it's a, great. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. I, <laughs> it's a podcast. Hitbox, a podcast. Simple as that. Yeah, um, we got it. If you are listening to this on Spotify, uh, they recently added a feature where you can rate and like review podcasts. It would be very cool if you would do that. Give us um, a five-star rating if you like the show. 
otherwise please don't rate it because <laughs> it'll make me sad but uh hey that is also your prerogative this is the internet after all if you're listening to this on apple podcasts or whatever your podcatcher of choice there are other similar options as well uh if you want you can do us a favor and follow us on twitter at hitbox pod uh send us an email uh, send us a dm there tweet at us let us know what you thought were the cr- most criminally uh, I don't know, underrated games of the year or the games that people maybe didn't get to or talk about. I know, like I said, we've been having people tell us, yo, you got to check out Inscription. That's on the list for me. Um, I will report back to you, Justin, about how the card game is deck building yeah, things yeah. go. Uh, probably not in the next few weeks here as I have to finish Horizon, but we'll see. Um, you can also send us an email at hitboxofficialpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know anything that you want <laughs> in terms of this year. Uh, or you can even talk to us about Abandon or Final Fantasy 14 or 16 or even uh, this upcoming Star Wars Eclipse and Quantic Dream and all that. Justin, am I missing anything? No, I, you you nailed that that outro. Thank I'm going to give you a high five through the camera. Smack Thank the camera. Bam. bam. Love it. Yeah. Bam. Uh, hey, thanks so much for listening. As always, we will catch you next week. Always remember... Old games are old. Later. Bye. All right, that's I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>